Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Brian Scott Rippey coming up in just a little bit. And all-time Ole Miss and New Orleans Saints great Deuce McAllister. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford of Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. Both right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest is Deuce McAllister, good friend of the program, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Rippy, what's up? Not much. We've uh, we got some news. we got uh, stuff to talk about, which is nice, but feeling pretty good. Wait, what news do we have? Scheduling news. We're kind of getting some uniformity on what major college football is going to look like this season, although it's not doesn't appear it's going to be exactly the same off across the board, obviously, because it's a disjointed mess. But the ACC elected to go to a 10-game plus one uh, model, so obviously 10 conference games. The title kind of speaks for itself. Plus one non-conference game, and that non-conference game must be played 
in the state of said institution. So basically what they're trying to preserve with that, it seems like, is Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I don't know what you do at the backyard brawl with Pitt in West Virginia. I feel like you should be able to make an exception for that, but who knows? I don't know. And uh, seemingly Mississippi State, NC State in week two, right? Because that game uh, is supposed to be played in Raleigh. And then about the time that that release was out, you had reporting from Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. Uh, basically, I mean, it was good reporting, but it was not nothing like concrete. It's basically the SEC was in the talks of a 10-game season where there would be somewhere in the range. You'd either go 10 games conference only, and it appears that if you go that route, it would be your eight, whatever eight opponents you had slated, plus your next two non-divisional rotations. So obviously when A&M and Missouri got added to the league, you went from two cross-conferences opponents, right, to one, and or two regular, whatever your next one in the rotation. It's like Ole Miss, it would be Tennessee and Kentucky, I believe. But if you did, if you wanted the eight game, they would try to preserve one or two conference games, presumably Ole Miss-Baylor matchups like that. Though it just seems like a neutral site is not happening at this point. But who knows? But you're getting some news as to what this is going to look like. In short, the college football season is probably going to be shorter, but major colleges are definitely going to give this a roll. I am learning about this at the same time of the audience. We're recording late on Wednesday, because that's when me and Deuce could record, and me and Rippy are recording right after that. I did not know about this. I don't think I quite get the 10 plus 1, but from the SEC schedule standpoint, if it does go that route, that kind of falls in line with what we've been discussing on this podcast for what seems like a month. I get the 10 plus 1 from the ACC's perspective, because they have probably more so than any other. I mean, it is a lot of SECs, hell, to be honest. It's Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, which is kind of a sneaky, fun one you forget about. And then South Carolina, Clemson, that's four. And then you're preserving at least one more in Mississippi State, NC State. I don't. I haven't looked at all the other schedules, obviously, so I don't know if that preserves any more. So I kind of get it. You want to preserve those if you can. Those are uh, Those are pretty good, like, historic rivalries. Um, From the SEC's perspective, I'm going to assume, not assume, I'm going to bank on it probably just being a 10-game conference schedule only. But it'll be interesting if they decide to go 8 or 9 and allow for one marquee non-conference opponent. Uh, just from an Ole Miss perspective, you know, I think seeing Ole Miss-Baylor would be fun. I mean, it would, it would, it, to me, it would be a sloppy shit show, right? I mean, neither team's getting a spring, whole new coaching staff, tons of turnover. I think that would be fun. But uh, if nothing else, you're just trying to, I mean, not trying, you're finally seeing some uniformity as to how this is going to look out, or at least just seeing things crystallize. So it appears we're going to have a football season to some degree. And then presumably uh, one of the reasons they want to go to the 10 game plus one or the 10 game is to give yourself just a little bit more wiggle room if you do have to pause to reschedule games. Because if you remember, this was supposed to be a two by week year anyway. Uh, with the way just the actual global calendar or American calendar. I don't know. I'm not that smart. Just the way the calendar worked out, you got two bye weeks this year, so this would add a third and potentially a fourth. But if Ross's reporting does come to fruition, Ole Miss Baylor, that's scrapped. It's conference games only, and they would decide on 8-10. to 10. So, yes, while they're holding out hope to preserve them, it does appear to be trending in that direction. It's including conference-only schedules of 8-10 to 10 games. So, yes, that would be correct. What do we know about Tennessee and Kentucky if this does happen? Being added to Ole Miss's schedule, does it make it tougher? SEC Media Day's tired narrative is that is this year's 
for A&M to contend with the West, and Georgia better watch out for Tennessee in the East. Tennessee does appear to be on the up and up. Kentucky actually should have their best team on paper from a talent standpoint uh, under Stoops. So I would actually, I would actually say that would undoubtedly make Ole Miss's schedule harder. Which is weird to say because Tennessee hasn't been good the last couple of years. You don't think of Kentucky as a you know strong football school, but Kentucky should have a really good team, and Pruitt had that team rolling at the end of the last year. So I'm going to vote uh, confidently tougher. Do we have bowls at the end of this? Look, man, sit back and pour a stiff drink and just let's see if we get a season first. Talk to me in November. I don't know. I mean, presumably, right? Like, But if you're cutting down on games, and I know this doesn't pertain to the SEC as much, but like, if you're cutting down on bowl games anyway, are you really going to play the Little Caesars Bowl in the Bahamas or whatever it is and stuff like that? So maybe you have some semblance of bowl games, the more marquee ones get played. But like, does the AutoZone Liberty Bowl or the Belk, both of which involve SEC teams, get played? I have my doubts. But at the same time, this is such a fluid situation, right? What is the world like in December? I don't think we have a vaccine by then. But if you do, how does that change things? I don't know. What is the virus like then? Like, is it fizzled out at all? I don't know. As the uh, president keeps saying, eventually he's going to be right on the fact that the virus is going to disappear, which obviously keeps saying that you can't ever be wrong. I'm just saying it's such a different world. Let's see if we have a season first. My response to my own question would be, who cares if you have bulls or not? If you get a season, yeah, that's that's, good the, that's the right answer. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. It's a perfect answer. If you get a season, that is good enough. Bowls don't matter anyway. And it would be nice if at the end of this, if this does happen, that you just have an expanded eight-game playoff. Because I've said, and I think you agree with this, if they do expand the playoff, it isn't just going to be for this year. There's no way that they can ever go back to four if you give the fans and you give the college football zeitgeist eight games. Agreed. Because it kind of is, it falls somewhere aligned to that theory of, I've never gotten the big time national radio television sports guy that like complaining about there are too many bowl games. Why are you complaining about more football? I'm not the biggest like football nut of all time, but like having some crappy bowl game on when there's nothing to do during the holiday season and you're stuck in the house with your relatives on the 26th or the 27th, like that's awesome. I would never complain about that. So I feel like it's the same theory to where, yes, particularly two high-quality games, if you go to eight, there's no going back. I hate the Bulls because they don't mean anything. Same thing with conference championship games. If you could some way incorporate Bulls and championship games and make them important as it pertains to the playoff, that would make the sport better. The Bulls, what are you really paying attention to? All you're watching really is a four-hour advertisement for whatever bowl sponsorship partner is putting the ball on. But at the end of the day, no bowls really mean anything outside the playoff games, right? I mean, what are we really talking about here? That's what I'm saying. So let's figure out a way after we get an expanded playoff this year, and it sticks because we force it to stick, let's find a way to make the bowl system play into and fold into the playoff system to where if you make a bowl, you have a shot to potentially make your way into the playoff. That would be interesting. To where if you have the four that are automatics, like you have now, and then have four more spots that have to be earned through bowls in some way. That makes conference championships more interesting. That makes bowls more interesting. And we can trim the fact because some bowls really shouldn't exist. But at the same time, we are, we are trying to fix college football and make it make sense before we know if we're going to have college football. Oh, but it's better this way. 
Because now we have optimism. Now we're thinking we're going to get football. This is positive reporting. And yes, cases are spiking still. Cases are still hot. Yes, all of that is true. Um, Major League Baseball with the Marlins having an outbreak. 16 players and one coach or two coaches have tested positive for COVID-19. They've been halted for a week. That's bad. The NBA bubble system has worked. I talked about a bubble system potentially for the NFL, for college football, with Deuce, who's coming up in a little bit. But there are some positive things that can bring us to the table right now for this podcast that we can talk about. Hey, listen to us. We're sounding completely different today. And all because we're getting the prospect of a season. Quick non sequitur. Did you see reporting? I may have been from USA Today. I'm not 100% positive. But did you see that this uh, outbreak likely stemmed from uh, them going out in Atlanta for the exhibition series before they headed to Philadelphia? And big brain stuff here, but how amazing would it be if the Marlins got uh, COVID from the same place that Lou Williams traveled to for the chicken wings? It would be perfect. And it brings to mind a very important point with all of this stuff. If you expect athletes, not to say that all athletes are dumb. That's not what I'm saying. But if you expect athletes who do have a bit of privilege when it comes to how they live their lifestyle, they live different lives than we do, professional athletes specifically. Lou Williams, in my life, are completely different. He gets to have all kinds of different adventures compared to what our day-to-day life is. So, understanding that, if you expected all of these players to completely and rigidly adhere to these rules that you put in place to protect them and to keep the season going, you were fooling yourself. You were going to have an outbreak. And good old Major League Baseball, who I've shit-canned a lot, but good old Major League Baseball for not just stopping the season, basically punishing the Marlins, saying you're going to have to sit out for a week because we're not going to let you and your irresponsible actions derail this season that's going on right now. So they put in place measures to protect themselves when this inevitably happened because they knew that some of their players were going to be stupid. And that's what you need. You need to have forward-thinking um, decision makers, and this is the same for college football, that understand that kids are going to be kids. And I think colleges have done this for the most part. The kids are going to be kids. You're going to have outbreaks. Don't overreact. That's what the safety protocols are for. Isolate, contact trace, do those things, but keep pushing forward. Because sports are so important for college especially, that you cannot allow one school's irresponsible actions, or players for that matter, to derail the entire train, if you will. Agreed. And I think Colin Cowherd actually made this point from something I was listening to the other day, but it is fascinating that, uh, like, the Marlins have a, a young team. It's largely a lot of kids. And, you know, when you put them in a city for three days, they're going to want to go out and do stuff to where if you have more of an older veteran team, they're more inclined to be more disciplined. And then the whole bubble thing to where you have an area where everyone's circled in and you can't leave, that definitely, like, squashes or quells any sort of, like, uh, urge to go out because you really are going to be screwed because if you come out outside the bubble and you have it, you're going to give it to everyone in the bubble. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is I kind of brought up a, a semi-dumb point that I was trying to, like, flesh out in real time on the last podcast. But is there a way for football to be able – like college football, because you travel for such a short period of time, because you only travel, if it's a 10-game schedule, five times per year, like is there a way to create a semi-bubble environment? Make sure these kids are not doing anything but going to the facility, going to online classes, and then going to the games. 
to me, like people are dumping on the NFL for not trying a bubble system or not having a plan for it. Yes, it'd probably be smarter, but the NFL, you fly in, you have a walkthrough, you fly in on a Saturday, you have a meeting in the hotel, you play the football game, get on a plane and go home. It's not like baseball or basketball where you'd be in another city for a day or two or three days. Could that, could you see something like that in college football if they're not able to create a bubble? I think that college football is already kind of creating its own bubble with a lot of schools already going to strictly online for the fall. You're creating that bubble if by default. It's kind of like what I touched on with Deuce. That's kind of a bubble because then the players, they're on campus by themselves. They're in this arena by themselves. And so you can contain that. The issue with that is you're eliminating all pretense that these players are anything but football players. They are not student athletes. They are football players. And then you're going to have to raise the question of compensation and a potential union in the future for the players because now you are acknowledging that this system, all of these universities, cannot sustain long-term viability and success without football being played. And that gives players all the leverage in the world to be able to make money. A lot of schools have already decided to go online only. I think Ole Miss, and I can't speak to this because I'm not an Ole Miss student, but I think I had an Ole Miss student tell me a couple of his classes were going to be in person, but the other or the rest of them were going to be online. So Ole Miss is kind of half and half in it, or the majority online, but you do get some in person and it'll be smaller grouped. Okay, point remains, college football is creating its own bubble, but you're also going to have to acknowledge that for this entire time that you've been calling them student-athletes and they've got to learn and all this stuff, there's going to come a reckoning in the not-too-distant future to where you're going to have to acknowledge these players are here for one reason, let them be here for that reason, and then give them an opportunity after their career is over to get their degree and to do all the stuff they would otherwise be doing while playing football and also compensating them in some way. I don't know what the middle ground is, but that's what collective bargaining is for. So I think you're right. I think the bubble systems are proving to be the most successful approaches. It's not just Major League Baseball. Other leagues are doing this too. Or excuse me, the NBA. It's not just the NBA. Other leagues are doing this too. The bubbles are working. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. 
Self-isolation, quarantine has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. That brings up an interesting point. If you want to get in the class thing and create as much of a bubble as possible. So football players, shockingly, get preferential treatment. Athletes in general just get preferential treatment when it turns to selecting classes, right? Would you agree with that sentiment? Yes. So is there a way for if because I think a lot of schools are going to do the hybrid thing to where they don't want to not be able to charge full tuition. So they're going to be like, look, you have a couple classes online, couple classes in person, socially distanced, probably the smart way to go. Honestly, it seems to make sense. Is there a way because college football players do get preferential treatment in classes for them to either select first or they may already have their schedules? I don't know. Rearrange it to where football players are going to go online only to where none of their classes are in person. So they're taking classes online. Maybe keep them in like study halls at the facility, all that jazz, and make it as bubble-ish as possible. Now, granted, kids live off campus. Your kids are going to be irresponsible. But at least you're doing everything you can to try to keep them away from outsiders, other people, and make it as close to a bubble as possible without spending the gajillion dollars these professional sports leagues, NBA, NHL, are doing to actually create a bubble. Not to sidestep the question, but I'm going to sidestep the question. I'm going to echo Keith Carter, who was on this podcast last week. I think all options are on the table. Because at the end of the day, the only goal is to get those kids playing football. And if that's what it takes, that's what they'll do. And that's why the reporting from Ross Dellinger is so important because it tells you, and we we knew this, that the SEC was coming close to having to make a decision. If not this week, and as you're listening to this, they may have made that decision. We're recording late on a Wednesday. Um, by the end of this week, or at least by the end of next week, at the latest, decisions will have to be made. And once you do make that decision, once you do know the direction in which you're going, that's when the logistical angle, depending on the school, that's when you start to lay out your plan. If you're Ole Miss, then you have the right, just like, for example, from a national and state perspective, um, as far as our response in this country to COVID-19, same kind of deal. Okay, so the SEC, it lays out this is what we're going to do. Now Ole Miss can go into action as far as what its plan is, as far as allowing itself to get to that schedule, to get to that North Star, to follow that North Star. And if that means all players, all football players get to go online, they get preferential treatment, they get to decide what they take and when they take it. Or if, like, for example, the FedEx um, Academic Support Center, they schedule all the classes for these kids and make sure that they're all online, kicking kids out that otherwise would be in those classes, so be it. Because at the end of the day, it's all about getting the games, and that goes back to my point. Now you're eliminating all pretense, erasing all pretense, that they're here for any other reason. And that's a lot of bargaining power. And if you're a player and you're listening to this podcast, and you're probably not, but if you are, you have a lot of power. And at some point, somebody needs to take the lead and get everybody together and use that power you, you need to take care of yourselves. 
Because they're proving this to you. They're proving that you're the most important people on campus. And that's good. We all knew that. But let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending. I was pretending. about to say, agreed. Agreed. And it's every, but it's, it, it's always been this way. It's just now forcing the hand of the people in charge to say it. And so while we get all tied up in, well, it's a bad look for the, like, it's a bad look. It's reckless putting these kids in there, blah, blah, blah. If you can do it safely, like a lot of times it, uh, lost in the whole like virtue signaling online discourse is the fact that most of these dudes want to have a season and want to play football and want to get uh, like film on tape and want to like improve their draft stock and all of that. And so while, yes, you need to be careful. And while, yes, money can often get in the way of the players or or people's best interest, and in this case, the players putting them in a potentially vulnerable situation. If they can do it safely, then by all means do it, because you talk to 99% of these kids, they want to play football. They do, but the Virginia Tech cornerback, I can't remember his name, I'm doing this off the cuff, he opted out of the season already. He's going to prepare for the NFL draft. He's a potential first-round pick. There are going to be more players that opt out, and they should, because what's the benefit for them? Really? If you're someone that's going to be a high draft pick, in the current climate, you know that on this current course, the NFL draft in some way is going to be affected. Or even just the NFL draft buildup, the preparation, the combine, pro days, both at your school and if you have to go to a workout for a team. All of that stuff on our current course is going to be affected in some way. So what's the benefit for you? If you get injured and then... All of a sudden, the NFL Combine is wiped away because of COVID. Now you're at a distinct disadvantage, and your draft stock that was at its highest and its premium in August is dramatically affected because you played that season. So there are going to be more players that opt out. But I do agree with you that the vast majority of players want to play. And like Keith Carter said on this podcast, and I hate to keep bringing that up, but it was a really good point he made, they want to play but you also have to protect them from themselves. You have to keep them safe. You can't let them make their own decisions once you get to that point. Outside of controlling their own destiny and opting out, protecting themselves, keeping them safe, making sure that they can play, that's on the administrators. They do want to play, but the end goal is always the same. Yes, we got to play. We got to make sure we take care of the players. And that's kind of where all this stands. Before we jump to Deuce, I want to touch on one other thing. So CNN runs a front-page article, long-form story, about Ole Miss and Rebels. I don't want to dive too much into that, but I do want to say one thing. I know this for a fact. Don't ask me why, but I know this for a fact. There have already been discussions in that Ole Miss Athletics Administration building about this potential issue and taking it head-on at some point. Who knows when? Maybe that moment of reckoning is in a week. Maybe that moment of reckoning is two years from now. Maybe that moment of reckoning is in six months. I don't know. But at some point, Ole Miss is probably going to have to come face-to-face with Ole Miss and Rebels. To ease your mind, I know for a fact that Ole Miss will gladly sacrifice Rebels, but it will fight like hell to always keep Ole Miss. Why? Because from like all that, you can still keep the nickname Rebels. I mean, hell, there's a shark now, so there's no actual... Like, yes, if you look up the origins of the name. But their mascot's a shark now, and not a good-looking shark at that, might I add. You could keep Rebels. So, like, you'd, they'd be more willing to sacrifice Rebels than Ole Miss? I find that fascinating because Ole Miss seems to be the one with the more direct tie, uh, particularly now since Colonel Reb is gone. Neither one of the bases for the names are completely backed up by historical fact. You could take any anecdotal evidence that you want and say that Ole Miss came from this. 
or that rebels came from this. There's no denying they can be problematic. I agree with that. I am on record as saying that I would fight tooth and nail to keep both of them, not because I went to Ole Miss, not because I was born and raised an Ole Miss fan, and now I cover Ole Miss. My relationship to Ole Miss is obviously so much different than it used to be. I am not coming from a place of, oh, Ben Garrett is a homer. That's why he's saying this. No, I'm saying this because I think Ole Miss does not get enough credit for the significant steps it has taken to co-opt Ole Miss and Rebels to be both descriptors that are far more inclusive than they used to be back in the day. Ole Miss has tried to turn them into completely different things, completely different meanings. And Ole Miss is always having to push back against narratives built against us that it's just some standing beacon for Southern pride and for the Confederacy when that is not what Ole Miss is in 2020. It might have been that way in the 80s. Hell, it might have been that way in the mid-90s. It is not that way in 2020. It has taken significant steps. And I'm not saying you pat Ole Miss on the back. That's not what this is about. But you can't say that Ole Miss hasn't done its part in trying to be more inclusive. It's gone far and beyond. And no matter what it does, it does not get any credit from some. Some refuse to allow Ole Miss to move on. And that's what's frustrating to me. It's that... Ole Miss can do all of these things. It can take the flag down. It can get rid of the battle in flags. It can get rid of from Dixie with love. It can get rid of Dixie, period. It can get rid of Colonel Reb. It can do all these things, but when is enough enough for you? And if Ole Miss has taken steps and been forward and out in front of issues such as racial equality and inclusion, why can't it be enough? Why can't they protect a brand that is a national brand for them? Ole Miss is a national brand. That's, that's where their national recognition comes from. When you're talking about this university and its athletics programs, you're not talking about Mississippi University, the University of Mississippi. You're not calling them Mississippi. You're not calling them the University of Mississippi. You're calling them Ole Miss. It's on everything. So that's why they would protect that over Rebels. So you have to ask yourself as an Ole Miss fan, if the moment of reckoning ever comes, If it comes, we don't know if it comes or not. But if it does come, are you willing to sacrifice Rebels? Because Ole Miss, it would gladly give up Rebels to make sure that Ole Miss lived on. Because that's what it believes its entire brand is. For me, a nickname doesn't matter. Rebels doesn't matter. If you wanted to call it the Flood, fine. If you wanted to call it the Bobcats, okay, I'd have a problem with that. But you get what I'm saying. Rebels, not a big deal. Ole Miss, Ole Miss is the brand. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said, and that makes sense. I have two points, a longer and a shorter one. Two, yeah, they do deserve credit uh, for distancing themselves from that, but don't get it. But is there a faction of this, and I experienced this kind of firsthand when I was on campus, is there a faction of it that because they still have the name and they still have the mascot, that to outsiders that still kind of have those backwards beliefs that whether or not it is actually a beacon of Southern pride and all of that, they might think that because I just remember, and it, I remember at 20 years old, I was a junior in college and I had this intro to beat reporting class. And at 20 years old, you're ignorant to a lot of things. I was not really into politics back then. I didn't really think much about Ole Miss and Rebels. I just honestly, I just didn't know. And I got stuck on this city government beat because the lady wouldn't let me cover sports 
um, because I already did it for the paper, and she was saying that the work would be too easy. But ne- that's neither here nor there. I got caught, I got stuck on like campus life for student events, and that was when the Mississippi flag got taken down, and there were all the protests about it being flown on the Ole Miss campus. And I'm covering this protest, and it's a bunch of people like chanting and, and yelling. I mean, your typical like protest around the flag in the circle. And then all of a sudden, I hear these other people chanting and marching coming up by the student union. And it's the KKK. And the next thing I know, I'm standing in between this flag protesting group and the Keystone Knights chapter of the Ku Klux Klan covering this event that just spawned up out of nowhere. And I say all of that to say, one, it was super eye opening. Two, those people were from Georgia and not even from Mississippi. And yet they're in the middle of campus giving it a bad name. So is there an element of this? And that was the first time I kind of looked like, okay, maybe other people view this place way differently than I do. And I just wonder if there's an element of that as long as they keep the name and the moniker that 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 is kind of like a haven for some people. Like is if that makes any sense at all. Number two, I don't really care about the name of the mascot, but the Mississippi Flood is a dope name. Yes, the Mississippi Flood is a dope name. So is the Ole Miss Flood. Flood period is dope. To your point, you can't have your cake and eat it too if you're demanding all of this from Ole Miss. You say Ole Miss needs to be more inclusive. It has been more inclusive. It's done all of these things, taking all of these steps to be more inclusive, to co-opt Ole Miss and Rebels to mean something else. I don't see the same kind of vitriolic response to the LSU Tigers named after a Confederate militia group. I don't see that. You don't see the think pieces written about that. Why? Because it's lazy and easy to go after Ole Miss. And yes, these groups just come like on campus. It's co-opted by outsiders. Because like, right. people that go here like it. Yes. So to that point, they're from out of town. They're not from here. Like the idiots that put the noose on the James Meredith statue. They were from Georgia. They came yep, here. Georgia kids. They came here to fulfill their bullshit Southern pride dream. And guess what? Because of their stupidity and their disgusting behavior, they were booted off of campus. But you don't read about that. You read about what they did, not with the steps that Ole Miss took. Same thing with this Klan You read stuff. about what happened at Ole Miss. You don't read yes. about what two idiots from Georgia did. You read about what happened in the center of Ole Miss's campus. Exactly. So that gives Ole Miss a negative connotation and unfairly brands Ole Miss as something that it's not. Same thing with the Klan. Yeah, the Klan marched on campus well. Ole Miss is allowing that group to exercise its First Amendment right, which is what we all say we're supportive of, constitutional protection. We can disagree with it, but they are constitutionally protected to do that. We all think they suck. We all don't want them to be here. But they're here, and they're from Georgia, and they're led. Their leader is a self-professed Mississippi State fan, but it's not about a Mississippi State fan-led Klan protest at Ole Miss. It's that the Klan marched at Ole Miss. So which of those parties takes the hit? Ole Miss. And it's not fair. And if you were a true national journalist, somebody who wanted to approach this fairly, you wouldn't just talk to a professor who has one political slant or one political side to the fight. You wouldn't just talk to Ole Miss administrators who want to protect the brand. What you would do is look at it from a fairly objective angle and understand that the facts are the facts. We can't argue about the facts. They are what they are. Ole Miss has done all of these things to separate itself from all of the bad. 
And a lot of schools, not just Ole Miss, a lot of schools in this conference have ugly histories. But only one continues to get punished for it over and over and over again, despite being one of the most proactive schools in the conference, if not the most proactive, in separating itself from its past. But you don't want to look at that. The facts are the facts. These are the steps Ole Miss has taken. And all of the negative stuff that reads beautifully in a, not hit piece, that's not fair, in a piece that's slanted to make Ole Miss look like something that it's not. The Klan march, the noose around James Meredith's statue's neck. All of those are individual instances in which Ole Miss was not in any way at fault and did not invite those people to do those things and took steps to make sure that those parties involved understood they were not welcome at Ole Miss. But you don't talk about that. You just talk about what happened. There is no context provided. And it's easy ammunition for Mississippi State fans on Twitter. And I'm sick of Twitter. I'm done with it. Outside of asking y'all for mailbag questions and posting this podcast, guys, I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. But it's easy ammunition for the social media echo chamber and for all of those morons on Twitter, all those morons on Facebook, to paint Ole Miss with a brush that no longer, at least if you come here and you see it for yourself, no longer exists. I don't know if there was any other coach down there in Jackson protesting the flag and saying there needs to be change that went out in front and got out in front of it like Kermit Davis. Where was that in that CNN article? That is a Mississippi State graduate. That's a Mississippi State born and raised native. That's the Ole Miss basketball head coach. But no, what did you read about? Blake Henson. Not the fact that Blake Henson never brought that up in a single, I'm talking about the flag, in a single conversation with either Kermit or any of his assistants. That he committed here, having no problem coming to play here and getting immediate playing time. No, there was no context that maybe Blake saw what Ole Miss added in the offseason and wanted to get out and he wants to be able to play immediately. He's manipulating the NCAA waiver process as he should. Where is that context? It wasn't there. Instead, all you read was, this is what Blake Kinson said he transferred for. Without actually asking Kermit Davis, who was out in front of everybody in protesting the flag and asking for change in the state capitol, he spoke. He stood up there and put his face to it. He made himself a face of that cause. Nowhere to be found. Blake Kinson says he's transferring because he doesn't want to uh, represent that flag anymore. Blake was a great dude. I loved covering him. Couldn't have anything but nice things to say. All my interactions were great. But in this instance, Blake is full of it. He's trying to get a waiver, as he should. But you did not transfer because of that flag. You transferred because your playing time was going to be cut short. Or you weren't going to get the role you thought you deserved. But none of that was in that article. And I'm sick of Ole Miss having to continually defend itself when it's done more than Mississippi State has done. It's done more than LSU has done. It's done more than anybody else has done to separate itself from his past. Don't disagree at all. I just I don't even know. Like I guess like two points. One, I don't even know if I consider Blake Henson full of it because to me he's doing the Justin Fields thing, right? The guy yelled the racial slur from the stands that there's you no do way what you got to do. He's just doing what's best for him, which he should. Like I, I, there's no way he actually believes that either. Which fine, whatever. But yeah. two, I agree with your point to where none of these other schools get like like get the same kind of like think pieces and all that and that it is kind of lazy. But Ole Miss does have this big bright red target, no pun intended, on its back because of the name, because of the mascot, 
and because of the name, because of the nickname, and then until a while back, because of the mascot. And so that's kind of to my larger point. It's like, yeah, is it unfair and is it lazy that Ole Miss gets the criticism? It does compared to other places. But like at LSU, it's a little more hidden. You don't think of a purple and yellow tiger as having Confederate Civil War ties to where it's Ole Miss. It's just right out there in the open. And they have all the ability to remove that target from their back. And again, I'm not taking stance here. I'm not calling for it to be renewed. I'm just saying I think the reason that they get that is because there's just this big, wide-open target that other schools don't have. And that's fine. My point is, knowing that, are you okay with sacrificing Rebels for Ole Miss? Because in that building, discussions have been had, and they are comfortable sacrificing Rebels for Ole Miss. That's what you need to ask yourself. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bin on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go to the Modern Woodman phone line in just a second to speak to Deuce McAllister. First, got to say goodbye to Rippey. Bye, Rippey. Check me out on the Twitter. I don't use... Deuce comes to us on the Modern Woman phone line. Let's hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line. All-time Ole Miss great. All-time New Orleans Saints great. It's Deuce McAllister. Deuce, what's up, man? Not much, man. Uh, adjusting. We'll go with that. Yeah, everybody's adjusting. The NFL's adjusting, and you're deep off in that. How's everything going as far as your adjustment period? What are you having to deal with in quarantine? Well, the biggest thing for us is really just trying to figure out what's the next steps. And I cannot say that we truly know what those next steps are. It's really a day-to-day type of issue for us. Do you think we get football, college, and NFL? I do think that we will get NFL football just because you're not dealing with as many schools, the haves and the have-nots. I do think we will have some version 
of college football, but I don't think it will be the normal schools. You know, I think it's the, the power fives and even some of them uh, will only play conference games. Uh, so it'll, it'll just be interesting to see. And then even when you talk about fans capacity in the stadiums, uh, you know, you're probably looking at about 20% fans being able to even come and attend the game. For you, it's interesting because obviously you're part of the radio group at the Saints and you cover the Saints on a daily basis. You're a record-setting running back for the Saints. You know all about what's going on right now. And one of the big things that's happened already is that the NFL has canceled the preseason. What are the challenges of opening camp and trying to adhere to these um, protocols and these safety measures? I don't think with the NFL you're going to have too many issues once you get guys into the building in a sense. I think for them uh, it's it's a lot more stricter than even with a college setting because in, in, in college, you know, unless they've changed it um, from what it used to be, I don't know – if everybody is in the dorm, in a sense, I think it was more so a situation where uh, some guys and you, and you have to correct me. Some guys, if, if you're upperclassmen, you get to stay at home. Is that correct? Is that still the same, or is that different now? Yeah. Everybody's in the dorm. Yeah. So, and and that's even in camp. Is that correct? Yeah. You living the life, then. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you 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 you're living the life. I mean, and you you don't you don't know it, I guess, in a sense, but. Um, if that is the case, when you look at it from a, and I'll go to, from a college standpoint, even if I get out of meetings at 10 o'clock, if I want my friends to be at the house or if I want to hang out for an hour or two hours or whatever it is, and I have the ability to do so, then that's what they can do. And it's maybe being a little naive, particularly when you talk about having a hundred guys that are, uh, have that ability to do it, but let's just say since it's only upperclassmen, you may have 70 guys uh, that that are doing that. You know, they stay separately, or they, they, they it may be three or four players that are staying together. It's one or two guys that maybe have some buddies over. We're just hanging out, playing a, playing a video game before we call it a night. Um, that's that that that's risky. In the NFL, that's not happening because whether you're a four, first year player or whether you're a ten year veteran. Everybody is in the hotel. Uh, and so really, and it's funny that you say it, now thinking about it with no preseason games, those vets, they won't get to go home like they normally would. It's normally after the third preseason game, which is about three weeks into camp, they get to go home. So I'm interested to, to see how they kind of handle them seeing their family at some point in time, uh, if, if it'll be a situation where um, you know, it's only, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, um, that is going to be really, really interesting because this first week they go through an acclimation period where all of the players have been tested for COVID. Uh, you know, most of them, you either have gotten the results back or they're waiting to get the results back. And so this week it will only be COVID testing and, or, and as you go over, Zoom meetings is what they they will be having. And so for the first week, that's all it will be. I think it's August the 12th is when they can actually um, do some type of walkthroughs or weights and running uh, with the conditioning staff, the, the strength and conditioning staff. So even that in itself is, is, is totally different. And so it's just trying to figure out how can we try to make it work, even though we feel like at some point, 
something will pop up with somebody, some player, some administrator, some coach, something in that nature. So what for you are the most interesting NFL storylines going into the year? Having a new head coach, having a new quarterback, um, how does that affect what you can do? How does that affect you putting your system in? You look at Carolina and look at Rule and the job that he has to take over. You know, that is a tough, tough situation to be in. But you talk about uh, a rookie, late-round rookie, the chances of him making a squad have been diminished greatly. You talk about a free agent. If he's not a great practice player, his his chances of making a squad have diminished greatly. So there are so many uh, disadvantages to a young player having the opportunity to earn not only a place on the Saints, but the other 31 teams as well, because teams won't be able to scout you. Teams, you know, they won't be able to see you. And so unless a team is putting out some information, uh, teams are going to have to trust what they saw basically on some players from college, you know, particularly if they have an interest in a guy. And so you're going to lean on a lot of your scouting uh, a lot more now just because that's what you have to do because you can't have a lot of guys in the building. Think of it in this sense as well. Right now, and this for, for I think it's for the first two weeks, you can't even bring guys in and work out. So if you've got a position uh, that you're light at, that you don't have a lot of bodies at, then you've got to figure out a way to be creative because you can't bring – you can't work guys out. You can't bring them into the building. They have to go through that acclimation period as well. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they try to manage that whole situation. What is your most interesting quarterback storyline that you're watching? Well, I think the, the, the most interesting is Cam Newton. To me, it is because you figure Brady is going to be a winner regardless. You know, the, the thing that you want to see, uh, was it Brady or was it Bilicek in New England? And then can they fix Cam Newton? I mean, because you're talking about a guy that's been hurt two out of the last three years, and, and, and you know how special he was as a player not only at Auburn but uh, at Carolina as well. I mean, he had those guys in the, in, in the Super Bowl. So can he kind of redeem himself? Can he rejuvenate his career up in New England? And, you know, with Brady, does he have really uh, a lot left in the tank to be able to show that he still is one of the elite football players in the NFL? You know, we know all time he definitely is. But, you know, can he go down there with Bruce Aarons and all the weapons that they have down in Tampa and really be able to show that, yep, I still got it. New England, you guys wouldn't get me the weapons, but I still got it, and I got a bunch of toys down here in uh, Tampa Bay. New England's been hit pretty hard with players opting out. I think it's got the most players, six, as have opted out so far. Brandon Bolden, Ole Miss great, Ole Miss running back, former Ole Miss running back, he opted out. Damian Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs is possibly the most high-profile opt-out so far. What are your thoughts on players opting out in the uh, era of COVID-19? Well, I think the guard also for the first player, the guard for the Chiefs, I think he was, uh, uh, I wouldn't call it the most high profile, but he, he, he was a, he's been a cog for the last four or five years as the starting right guard for the Chiefs. But Damian Williams, both of those guys won Super Bowls. And I think what's interesting is uh, a lot of people may not understand or, or, or know why. And then it's still catchy with some of the language that those guys uh, have. Uh, in their contract or that they have agreed to with the CBA. What's interesting is, and, and when I say this is just because I'm able to play professional football 
that does not mean I am 100% healthy. A lot of those guys has, have other issues. They're still able to play football and be one of the best players in the, in the nation and in, in the world. But a lot of those guys still have underlying health issues. And then if it is not them directly, it may be an immediate family member that stays with them in the same home, or it may be a parent or, or um, that has an immediate health issue. And for them, they know the risk that they're taking by possibly exposing their parents or their, their immediate loved ones. Because here's the thing, the NFL is not doing a bubble at this point. So just because I'm in camp, I, uh, I'm not exposed to anything while I'm in training camp. Well, once training camp is over, I get to go home. I get to do anything that I normally would have done. Now, there are some restrictions based off of uh, the language that they signed dealing with COVID, but they don't know. They will still be some testing going on, but they don't know if they will be exposing immediate family member to this disease. And so a lot of guys have said, hey, look, I know that I have some personal issues or I know I have some family members that have, have some issues. And with me having the opportunity to uh, not risk them, I choose to not play this year. And so it's interesting that, you know, some, some of the guys are doing it. Some guys, uh, if they do have one of the, the, the um, symptoms or things that, that you can say, hey, look, I want to opt out because I have asthma, then they that player will get X amount of funding, and they will even, uh, as far as get credit for an accredited season. Now, some of those guys, uh, you have to have been on a roster. You, some things from last year, you have to have. Uh, you'll still get you'll get an advance on next year's salary, but you won't get credit for an accredited season to that counts towards your uh, retirement. We'll get right back to Deuce McAllister, all-time Ole Miss and New Orleans Saints great in this edition of Talk of Champions. After I tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. I can see a bubble for the NFL. Logistically, it could be a nightmare but you look at the Marlins outbreak in Major League Baseball and how the NBA has proven that a bubble system can work, as well as other leagues, too, that have used a bubble. And I could buy that sometime in the next month, two months, if this thing doesn't start to clear up a little bit, the NFL decides that that's where it's going to end up going. No, uh, and that's why I said at this point, 
you know, I think uh, for them it has to be an outbreak where they can't uh, play games or it ha- it's affecting where not only do you suspend games for two weeks, but, you know, we don't know if we'll be able to play for a month in a, in a certain situation. I can see them creating a bubble system, and at that point, I just don't see them creating a bubble system for six and a half, seven months, and that's basically what we have when you talk about the football season. Uh, you're talking about having a bubble up until the 1st of February. Now, if we're talking about, all right, we've gotten through two months, three months, these next 90 days, we need to create this bubble. I think guys would be willing and they they, they would do it at that point. But, uh, you know, to say that they're going to do it for seven months, I just don't see that happening. Well, the more and more you see with colleges going online only, the closer college inches toward creating, if by default, its own type of bubble. Because I think college football, there's just too much at stake for them not to play games. But they can't come out and say, okay, we're going to do a bubble, because then they'd have to completely erase all pretense that college football players are a free labor force that they're taking advantage of. Well, Ben, that's a whole other conversation for us. I mean, that's a whole other argument and, and discussion. Yeah, you know, uh, that that's a whole other argument and discussion when we talk about the free labor force and uh, name and likeness and, you know, how do we control that? How do we not let that cat out the bag? But I think, you know, the one thing that you see, colleges have been slow to react as, uh, as social media changed things, as TV changed opportunities. They just, they never change with those opportunities, particularly when you talk about those individuals that are helping you bring in some of that funding. And so they will figure out a way to be creative and make sure that um, A, they can protect some of those TV contracts, but B, how can we continue to make sure that we bring in some type of revenue because we know that we have to have it in some schools, they cannot, will not survive and you talk about not only the fall sports, but even some of the spring sports, and that's even probably canceling or uh, reducing some of your fall sports that you do have as well. Man, Deuce McAllister, especially that last year, the Deuce for Heisman year, you could have made some coin off a of name, image, and likeness. I missed it. I was before my time. Man. I was before my time. <laughs> oh, I had a Deuce for Heisman sticker. I'm just saying, you could have made some money. Eli had his number retired by Ole Miss recently. When is 22 going in the rafters? Man, there have been so many guys that have worn that 22, and so they would have to have like four or five guys' names up there with, with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of Big Easy. You know, uh, I'm extremely happy that, you know, for what he did for the university, not only from a playing standpoint, but to bring us back to that national platform. Uh, you know, the only, only disappointing part was he didn't capture outright the SEC West, and, you know, obviously winning the Heisman. Outside of that, I don't know what more you could ask out of Eli, Eli Manning. You know, those, those are the only probably and, – and, and you're not disappointed, but I'm just saying the only other two things that he could have did was winning the West, Ole Miss going to Atlanta, and winning the Heisman. Outside of that, Eli, Eli did everything else. Here's my deal. You bring up a really good point. A lot of good players like Dexter, for example, a lot of good players have won that 22 – I don't like taking numbers off the field, Deuce. I like leaving all numbers on the field. You still have Chucky Mullins on the field. If someone's wearing 38, you could have a Ole Miss ring of honor because at some point, you got to honor all the greats like yourself who deserve to be honored. I'm not just saying that because you're a friend and because you're on this podcast, but you deserve to be honored. 
but we need to leave numbers on the field. Where do you stand with that? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of uh, retiring the numbers. I think guys should be able to wear them. I, you know, I would be a fan of something like uh, what Michigan does with Anthony Carter, the number one, or, uh, you know, what LSU even does with their with their special play as far as the numbers. So I, I would be and, – and, you know, obviously Ole Miss does it with Chucky Mullins as well, you know, the number 38. I would probably be more of a fan like that, even if, you know, hey, look, uh, we want it to be a patch. We want this player to be able to wear this game. Maybe it's just one big game, something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I would be a fan of that. And then you talk about the ring of honor, and I think that's a, an appropriate way to be able to honor, uh, you know, you talk about some of the, the great players that we've had that have played at the university. All right, I've gotten you this far. I haven't asked you. I haven't had you back on in so long. What do you think about Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, and a new era for Ole Miss football? We don't know. We, we really, truly don't know because we never got to see him practice in the spring. Lane really, you know, he's just now starting to get to work with the guys within the last couple of weeks. So I can't tell you, hey, look, you know, I think that this guy is going to be special. I think that this guy can flourish in the offense because even those guys will tell you uh, we, we probably know about 70%, maybe a little bit more of the offense. But at this point, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm going off of really – recruiting in a sense and that's probably unfair to to lane and his staff but you know that's the one place where you want to pick up a little bit more but even that is is hard to sell because they hadn't gotten gotten those young men on campus you got a few of them on campus before everything shut down but you know they wanted to see their offense they wanted to see how this old man old miss team uh would, would look and so you know, at this point, it's just it's still a question mark just because we haven't seen anything. Do you see some of yourself in Jerry on Ely? He's special. Old Lee County kid. Uh, he, he, he's special. You know, and I, I, I really just want to see him be able to stay healthy and be able to go out there and excel. I mean, because his acceleration from 5 to 10 is, is, is what makes him elite. Uh, hopefully he's gotten in the weight room a little bit and, you know, that's even asking a lot because they hadn't been able to get, get together as much, but just to be able to put on that added weight, to be able to withstand some of the, the, the hits that you're going to be able to, to take, but, uh, he's special. So do you think by the end of his Ole Miss career, he could be a potential top two round guy? Oh yeah. He's a one. He's okay. a one. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he, he's a one. He will be like Clyde from LSU. That, that, that's who he is. That, that, that's the type of player I see uh, Ely being able to be. I mean, because he can go out, he can catch passes. And see, that's, that's perfect for the NFL. That's, that's perfect for the NFL, today's NFL, because he's not a bell cow running back that, you know, has to be a guy that carries the football first, second, and third down. But I can create mismatches. I can line up in the slot. I can be a returner. I can be a running back, you know, and so I can give you a lot. Now in the NFL, if I have another, uh, if I have another lead back, which is which is what I would do, I wouldn't have him returning punts, you know, unless it's just a special situation. But he's a guy that can go out there and catch seventy to eighty-five uh, balls a year for me, and then I can go out there and get another six or seven uh, hundred rushing yards with him as well. Like I said, it's been so long since I've talked to you for this podcast. When I tweeted after draft night, the final day. No players Ole Miss had drafted. The only school in the SEC. You responded immediately, and you were absolutely right. It just can't happen. So for yeah. Ole Miss, what is your response as far as putting players in the league and just overall 
going over in the NFL draft? One, you want to be able to recruit guys that have the potential to be able to uh, play at that next level. But two, you have to be able to develop players. And there are players on that squad that deserve to be drafted and to play into uh, on that next level. I mean, because the thing that we have to sell is not only that A.J. Brown is an elite receiver, not only is D.K. Metcalf are, you know, elite, elite receivers, but they were elite coming out of high school. So how can we make sure that we're developing players? That's the other selling point that we have to be able to do. And, you know, right now I can't say that, that, that that's the case just because we had some guys that signed as free agents, but some of those players, they should have been drafted. So we've got to make sure that we're showcasing players, but also we're recruiting players that have that talent to be able to say, yes, I am an NFL draft pick, and I did attend the University of Mississippi. Last one, who takes the biggest year two step, DK or AJ? You know, it's not necessarily player for me. I'm going based off of quarterback. I think DK, both of those guys, I have both of them going over 1,000. But I think DK is going to get more opportunities than AJ just because of the system that AJ plays in. And Russell Wilson is a deep ball quarterback. He likes to throw the ball deep. Well, that favors what, what he does as far as DK does. Uh, both of them will go over, over 1,000. But I, I, I just think that quarterback play is probably going to be more consistent up in Seattle than in Tennessee. The guy that I want to see bounce back is, is Evan Ingram. He's got to stay healthy, though, and then, you know, hopefully they got that offensive line fixed, even though Eli ended up there. Uh, you got Daniel Jones up there. Hopefully they have an offensive line fixed for him so he can go out there and shine a little bit. Did it surprise you at all that DK and AJ both were immediately successful? No. You know, I think the, the, the biggest thing uh, NFL teams wanted to see was how did it translate. And so the offense, the system, you got to have a vision of how it translates. And so that was probably the biggest disappointing part for myself because I knew from a talent-wise, but I had been around those guys. I mean, and so from a talent-wise standpoint, you know, both of those guys at worst are number two receivers. And in my book, I probably, you know, just depending on the system, I would have them as ones. Uh, they're, they're, they are both, in my opinion, you know, one receivers, but at no worst, they're both twos. And so if I'm picking a receiver, those are the type of guys I want on my, on my team. How's the golf game? It's there. I mean, uh, <laughs> we got to get, we, 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 we get out there. We, we, we got to get yeah. out there. I, uh, I, I, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I get out there and I try to enjoy it a little bit. And, you know, I like to go to the different courses. And um, it's coming along, though. You know, uh, I, I can't say I consistently play from the, from the tips, but that's where uh, last month or so we've been playing from. As long as I'm drinking a lot and not putting too much pressure on myself, I'm fine. Well, you got to get competitive. I mean, but you t- drinking a lot, that you, you got to have some of those before you can start. What do you mean? <laughs> now, now we, 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 we got to understand where we're, where we're at when we play too also now. When we're in Mississippi and Louisiana, some of the heaviest stuff we got to go easy on, particularly if yes. it's – 106 yes. or uh, uh, 90, 90 plus outside. Now we got we got to go with some of the lighter stuff. But if we catch it right and it's it's nice and 80 80 degrees, then yeah, we can we can enjoy ourselves pretty good. But I I try to play at least twice a week, and if I'm lucky, I get in three times a week. 
yesterday, I didn't start until 6.37, and it didn't matter. It still looked like I had jumped in the pool. See, you're starting way too late. I, I, I don't yeah. mind going out there. Now, I'll go and sweat for that. So if, it, if it's a 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock tea time for me, I, I, I'm okay with that. But normally, I try to at least try to get in at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. But if it's in the middle of the day, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that game because for me – uh, I normally get and, and and so this is this is where, where you know where my game is. Now I don't. I've I've walked a couple of courses and that's where I really question whether I like <laughs> golf that much. Um, I, I I walked a couple of courses and I didn't have a caddy. There were none available, so I had uh, the push cart with me. But I really questioned whether I like golf that much those couple of times. But I'm getting about anywhere between 15,000 and 17,000 steps when I go and play golf. So that yeah. tells you, and, and this is with a cart, so that tells you how bad my game is right there. Whew. It's not straight down the middle, and I'm all over the course, but I enjoy it. It's Dennis McAllister, all-time Ole Miss and Saints great. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. No problem. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.